I do believe that when we can connect with this part of us that can guide us um, in a very loving way, then it can really change how we look at life, how we look at ourselves, how we perceive things and what we understand to be true. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Stephanie Cato, who is one of the more interesting and awesome people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting on this show. Um, She is a certified colon hydrotherapist since 1996 and a lymphologist since 1997. And she is so much more than both of those things. In this particular episode, as you saw in the title, we will be discussing this concept of metaphysical cleansing and which is kind of a concept that Stephanie is helping to pioneer. She has written a couple books on uh, on the topic, one to help other therapists out called Embracing Life by Letting Go, and then one to help out people like you and me that are not therapists um, called Embracing Love by Letting Go, a metaphysical cleanse. And she also made a... Uh, like a workshop that you can do online, which I am going through right now with the same name, Embracing Love by Letting Go, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, And it is all around this idea of doing a metaphysical cleanse. So I'm not going to step over the episode too much um, by explaining what that is. All I can say is that there is a lot of ties from the emotional and mental body to the physical body. And I think we all kind of know that. We know that when we get stressed, we're more likely to get sick. We're more likely, uh, when we have anxiety, we're more likely to also maybe feel depressed or we're more likely to uh, come down with a cold or whatever it is. So uh, she has worked a lot with clients on tying their emotional body and their spiritual body and all these things to their physical body and bringing all three together um, to make a truly healthy individual. So it's a really fascinating talk that we have today with Stephanie and she will be coming back on the show later on to uh, to like maybe in a couple weeks or in a month or something like that to go over uh, the colon hydrotherapy and then possibly a third time to go over some of the lymphology stuff. So without further ado, here is metaphysical cleanse. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So I think, like, let's just start with the most basic question possible to begin with, which is what exactly is a metaphysical cleanse? Like these are words that I think most people kind of understand. Metaphysical is a a little bit of a a strange word. Uh, If you could just explain the concept of a metaphysical cleanse, like what is it? Absolutely. So metaphysical means, you know, it relates to something that we can't see, but may be affecting us, uh, our body or just our life in some way. And why I created the metaphysical cleanse was based on the style of healing that I created. So I am a colon hydrotherapist. I also offer bioelectric lymphatic drainage and cranial sacral therapy. And I offer metaphysical sessions with each of those services as a way for people to really take a look at their physical dysfunction from the different perspectives of mental emotional and spiritual. Because whenever there's a physical issue, 
in my uh, experience, we really do need to look at the other aspects of us in order to fully heal. With a metaphysical cleanse, I noticed that people really, you know, when they would come in and do sessions with me and we would talk about the different things that would be helpful for them to heal, they would say, okay, great, but how do I do that? And I realized I needed to create a program, which was really a step-by-step way of helping people to learn how to self-heal. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people know about physical cleanses and a lot of people, when they're doing a physical cleanse, they come off of certain foods like sugar and alcohol, dairy, flour, those kinds of congesting and potentially inflammatory foods in uh, a similar way. A metaphysical cleanse is a way for us to not necessarily get rid of those emotions, but to take a look at how, certain belief systems can create emotions that can manifest physically. So to have an understanding of how that path goes so that they can start to make some different choices in terms of what they believe to be true, Mm -hmm. which can then shift what they feel. And then that can help to heal the physical dysfunction. I love this so much. The term sounds very like complicated, I guess, or um, I don't, I don't know, but like, what when you hear that definition, it just makes so much sense. Like I feel like we have, um, it's very like in vogue right now to think about healing yourself holistically and uh, and or or going to see maybe like a naturopath as opposed to a regular doctor and having a good diet and things like that. And I feel like this a lines up with that so well, um, but b takes it to another level that it really needs to be taken to. Um, <clears throat> for instance, I. I like I personally notice like if I if I do let's say a regular cleanse um like with with food um diet at lifestyle whatever I will uh if I have a problem with with being bloated frequently or something if I'm eating really clean then I won't be bloated as often another thing that I've noticed is that whenever I go on vacation I just never get bloated anyways like I, no, <laughs> right. it doesn't matter what I'm eating and then I started to think about that. Like, why is it that I am I eating better when I'm on vacation? And usually the answer is like, I'm eating worse when I'm on vacation. Right. But right. if you think about that, it's like, well, I'm so damn calm and so mm-hmm. happy when I'm on vacation. So exactly. clearly there is this like mental tie to your physical body. So this idea, uh, and I think that's something that we all understand that, you know, there's such a strong mental and physical tie. So the concept that you have of doing this, this metaphysical cleanse, so like a cleanse of your uh, emotion and spirit and everything as opposed to just like, hey, just have a bunch of green juice for a couple weeks is <laughs> so, so smart. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, let's talk about the sorts of things that you find that you deal with with people, um, how to find underlying problems and things like that. Like, like Explain some of the work that you do with clients when, when taking the steps towards a meta- metaphysical cleanse. Okay. Well, I'm an intuitive healer, which basically means when somebody comes to see me and they're lying on the table, how I get information from them is we start to talk about what's going on with them. What I love about the type of healing that I offer is it's not, it's not just about healing physical illness or dysfunction. It also has to do with looking at any dysfunction in our life. And for a lot of people that has to do with their relationships. So people will come in and then we'll start to talk about maybe different situation that's going on with them because really our physical body is part of an energetic body. 
And what we think about, what we feel about affects the energetic body and that affects the physical body. So we do need to start by looking at where we, where our thoughts might be contracting that physical body, which can then impact the flow energetically, which then can impact the flow physically. Now, I guess what sorts of things do you try to talk about to uncover these things? And I guess, therefore, like what sorts of things can we try to look at in our own lives? Because it's, it's very difficult to look at the way that you think about things or like look at your own relationships, you know, like your relationship to your parents or your spouse and things like that. Um, because there, there's like the, the conscious level in which you interact with these things. And then there is a subconscious level at which you're interacting with these things. And I would have to imagine that often it's like more this subconscious piece that is what you need to like pull apart and uh, and deal with the issues that are there rather than just what someone's going to overtly tell you. For sure. And I really appreciate your insight on that. It's the subconscious as well as the unconscious. One of the reasons why people, it's difficult, like you said, to access that part is because we are holding a lot of emotional pain from our past. Uh, there are three significant parts to how I offer healing. One of them is to heal the inner child. That's the part of us that survived our childhoods. And, um, Another part would be to really connect with our higher self. That's the spiritual part of us, the part of us that knows that all is well, that doesn't get involved in the day-to-day minutiae or the drama of our lives. Um, and then the third piece is to really trust in the wisdom of the body, to understand that when we're having any kind of a physical issue in our body, it's our body's loving way of helping us to look at, hey, maybe it might be time for you to connect with that inner child who's the one, you know, who, who's really holding that emotional pain from the past. And I have a lot of empathy and compassion for people not really wanting to go there because they've already survived it. They've already felt it once and it was very painful. And, you know, we're hardwired for pleasure. So there's a reason people kind of hold these emotions within and maybe tuck them away somewhere within themselves so that they Mm. don't feel them anymore. It's painful. Right. Um, But from my experience that when it comes to really healing on all levels of our being. There's really no way through but through. The beauty of it today, Blake, is that we are no longer children, that today we are adults and that we can, as adults, access the little one inside of us and really reparent that little one and help them. Because a lot of times when we were growing up, we were going through our emotional selves and all the experiences that we had alone. And when we don't connect with that little one inside of us, who's still very much alive, who is feeling those feelings still and feels like it will never end, when we can connect with them and let them know, hey, I'm here and you're not alone. And I'm going to sit with you as you feel these feelings so that they can actually start to come up through consciousness and out of our body. That's when we can start to heal. I love that. And so, yeah. So what I, you know, my what I intend to do here at my office is to be able to create a very safe, sacred space for people to be able to do that so that they can start to open up to themselves and ask themselves some questions in a way that maybe they were afraid to before. You know, I'm really there to be there to support them and to hold them as they do so. So I have, have heard the concept of, you know, inner child, higher self, things like that from other forms of, uh, I guess, like psychiatry related things for, for lack of a better term. 
Um, for people that have not uh, heard about those two things, I think it would be very easy to hear like, okay, heal an inner child. Like, what what do you mean exactly? Like, I'm a 32-year-old man. Like, what do you right. mean my inner child? Like, my childhood was like 20 years ago. So I don't know like why, like that part is gone. Like I'm now the 32 year old man. Don't you want to heal a 32 year old man? Are you saying that there's this child inside of me? If so, I don't see it day to day. Like I just go to work and then I come home and I have a beer and I like watch a football game. Like what is this, (laughs) what is this inner child doing during all this time and stuff? And why do we need to heal it? Okay. That's a really, really great question. Thank you. So what happens is we will know if there is an inner child within us that needs healing because he or she will come out in ways that have you ever behaved in a way that you kind of were like, oh, that wasn't so great. And it often happens in our relationships, whether that's a love relationship, whether that's relationship with our family of origin or our family of creation uh, with our children, our partners. It could be with siblings. It could be with our coworkers or a boss. If we are behaving in a way that is really not as mature as the 32-year-old man that you are, <laughs> yeah. that's a really good indication that there is a little child inside of us that is needing healing. Mm. And they will talk to us. They'll talk to us in many different ways because they want our attention very similarly to how a little child will. It's very appropriate. You know, everybody grew up with a different experience in childhood. And I'm not talking necessarily that just people who experienced abuse or trauma or violence, um, you know, in a more obvious way are the ones that really need to heal their inner child you could have had a perfectly normal upbringing, but the way that you as a child perceived things that were going on within your household, or there could have been things going on in your home that you learned to cope with because you needed to as a child and it was absolutely appropriate to do so, so you could not lose your mind. And we often as human beings will rationalize, okay, well, it was like this, but it's okay, but I'm okay. Because to really access that part of us, like I said earlier, is very, very painful. So one of the best ways to know if your inner child is really still at play is to kind of self-reflect at night and look at how did we behave during the day? Was that something I was proud of? Did I feel good about my behavior? If I didn't, it might be time to, to you know, delve a little bit deeper. Now, how do we delve deeper and how do you delve deeper? Because I'm also thinking if in that example, or I guess the example of myself, if it's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, 20, 25 years removed from my childhood. If it's not something that I've tried to interact with for 20, 25 years, like, how do I reconnect to that piece now? Um, How do I speak to that piece of myself now? Okay, so let me give you a good example. And this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. When somebody in our life, does something or says something that upsets us and we take it personally right there we know the inner child's at play because the truth is it's really never personal to us people are just being who they are doing what they're doing believing what they're believing and feeling what they're feeling some people don't want to feel those things so they'll end up projecting that onto other people with words or behavior. Now, if we take those actions or those words and we take it on ourselves and we get upset by it, then we can go within and really ask ourselves, well, how old do I feel right now? 
by getting upset with it. Because the truth is, if we were coming from a mature adult place, we would just look at this person who's kind of bouncing off the walls with their behavior and, and words, and we would say, wow, they're really having a hard time here. And we would be able to have compassion for them. But when we take it personally, what's happening is we're hooking into them and their behavior from our own insecurities, and most often from our own feelings of worthlessness. When we feel that we're not enough or good enough, and when we get um, kind of defensive. So then we can say, well, how old do I feel right now? And really just give yourself a moment to feel. What does that feel like? And then we can access that little part of us and say, well, I feel about five years old or seven years old. And we can even think back during that time in our life and start to connect it with what we grew up with and how we felt growing up. And, you know, is there any part of us that has unresolved issues with our upbringing? And then we, the adult self, can look at that little one and say, you're really having a hard time. You're really feeling upset, validating those feelings. Because I think most people, when we're upset, we just really want our our feelings validated. We want somebody to say, hey, I see your pain and I get it and you're not alone. That's how we can do it. That's what we can offer our little one. Man, totally. That makes so much sense. So it's almost like you're... um you're getting to be your own parent in a sense? Is that like a weird way to think about it? No, that's absolutely correct. You know, the beauty of it is that when we grew up in our homes with the experiences that we did, we are the only ones, even if we grew up with other people in the home, that know exactly what it is we didn't get in the way that we wanted it. We are the only ones that know what the child needed to hear what the child needed to experience, if the child needed more physical affection or words of I love you, or you know what, I'm so grateful for you in my life, right? Because a lot of times, listen, you know, our parents and our caretakers did the best that they could based on their own level of self-worth and self-love. And really our caretakers and our parents could only show us the love that they felt for themselves. So as human beings, you know, there's a variety of feelings and belief systems there. And we can, yes, as adults, reparent the little one in the most beautiful and exquisite way that only we know how to do. And that is such a wonderful gift. And it creates so much hopefulness, I feel, because we can absolutely change that around for our little one and change their experience today. Man, what's so beautiful about that is that not only are you going to be giving this extra compassion to yourself, is as as you said if, from the example of like if you had a bad childhood because let's say like your parents didn't give you enough love and, and maybe it's be, it, like there's a basically a really good chance that the reason that your parents did that is because they did not have enough love for themselves right so you can only Correct. you can only give what you already have um right. that then if you are able to kind of reparent this inner child that you have and give them more love then that will therefore allow you to give other people more love. Like now you feel so much better about everything. So now you are also interacting with the rest of the world in just such a, a better way. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever seen that commercial where, you know, somebody does something good for somebody and then somebody sees it and then they do something good for somebody. And it's, it's just, you know, like that, it's that kind of version of that. It's a life version of that. And really when we have self-compassion, when we have self-love, honestly, Blake, that's really the only way that we can authentically show up with love for others and compassion for others. Yeah, love it. So uh, before we jump into the physical part, because I want to talk about that quite a bit, 
Um, let's just stick on this meta and mental part first and then go from the childhood to the higher self. So um, again, the higher self is something that just living in society does not exactly like cultivate that and then like ask you to use it day to day. It's like if you have to wake up early, get some coffee, go to work, like hit up some errands on the way home and then you come home, like watch a TV show, go to bed. There wasn't a lot of time there for higher self or anything. Um, so how do we try to cultivate this higher self? How do we try to fix it? Uh, what, what is it and everything? Uh, just give us a little detail on that. Okay. So our higher self, like I said, is the spiritual part of us. It's the part of us that knows no matter what we see with our eyes in the world, in our world, or what we believe to be true, that all is well. And, you know, we human beings are meaning making machines. One of my healers taught me that, and it's absolutely true. We see something and we make meaning out of it. And, you know, I get it. It's one of the reasons why people tend to control because we're afraid and we don't like to not control things. We try to make sense of it. It's one of the reasons why people worry because it feels um, like we're doing something (laughs) to control something that we really can't. Um, And this higher part of us really can guide us when we connect to it, when we trust it, when we really turn over and work in partnership with it by saying, okay, you know, I'm going to trust you. And I ask you to guide me today, show me what the right thing to do would be today. So that if we go through life and let's say we get triggered by somebody at work or something like that, we take a moment, we pause, we take some deep breaths and then connect with that calm part of us. And then we say, what, what should I do here? That way we don't have to figure things out. We don't have to get all heady with it. We can just turn it over and listen for an answer and we will get one. It does take practice. It's one of the reasons why people feel so calm after they meditate or after they do a yoga class because that's a moving meditation. It's a way for us to drop out of our heads. It's a way for us to disconnect with the ego part of us, the small mind that likes to stay in control and is very invested in keeping us afraid. So when we connect with that higher self that is calm, that doesn't embrace the fear, um, and there's nothing wrong with fear, you know, that fear is there for a reason. But I do believe that when we can connect with this part of us that can guide us um, in a very loving way, then it can really change how we look at life, how we look at ourselves, how we perceive things and what we understand to be true. Man, that's so interesting. And and what you bring up about the ego and everything is just such a, I guess, a barrier to all of that, because what you're talking about is, is, is very difficult. You know, it's like we, again, as we become adults and we get going with life, like you have, you have tasks that you have to check off for the day. Like you have things that you have to do. So the idea of relinquishing control of, of yourself, of your tasks, of the direction that you're heading in, in any way is, um, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head saying that it's, it's kind of scary, you know, like it brings about fear thinking like, okay, well, if I'm not making, because again, you're so disconnected from your higher self, like you're basically just all caught up in your ego. You're thinking like, if I'm not going to decide what I'm doing today, then like, what is, you know, and to your point, I guess like this higher self is supposed to like chime in and help out. But if you've never really connected with it before, then how can you trust that? I guess it is going to give you its input. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And if you don't mind, I'd like to give you a little story because it might help people to understand what I'm talking about. Please, yeah, that'd be <laughs> like great. something practical. All right. So um, my daughter, she uh, goes to middle school and uh, she just decided to get involved in this musical theater production at her school. She said, well, OK, great. Those rehearsals are on Monday and Tuesday and they end at five. And I said, perfect. I get off of work. I can get there by five. No normally, she will walk to the library, which is just a couple of blocks from school. But I'm not crazy about her walking, you know, by herself. So right after school, I'm good with it because she's going with all the other kids from school. No big deal. So she called me up and she said, oh, I made a mistake. It actually ends at four o'clock. So fear was the first thing that came up in my head, right? Because I'm like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? I can't get there till four. I don't want her walking by herself because there's nobody around. And it's a safety thing for me with my daughter. So I turned it over and I said, okay, I need help with this, please. Um, so a friend of mine had called me and I didn't know her daughter was actually in the same musical theater and we were talking about it and she said, oh yeah, yeah, she actually got cast too. I said, oh, I didn't realize. I said, hey, um, do you mind taking Callie and just dropping her off on your way home at the library? I'm just not, you know, comfortable with her walking by herself. She said, sure, no problem. That was handled within a half an hour of me asking. And, you know, if I had embraced the fear, if I had gone into the, oh my God, what am I going to do and try and figure things out and freaking out, I would have blocked what was naturally coming to me. But because I trusted that my higher self is going to handle it and will figure out the how for me, I didn't need to go into any of that. And it was handled. Okay. This is going to get real. This is about to get a lot deeper spiritually and everything really quick. Um, I wonder if we can talk about to what extent you believe that the, how much faith plays a role in that um, and then how we could get some of that faith. Um, because again, if let's say you are very disconnected from your higher self and somebody gives you the instructions of, Hey, you just need to talk to your higher self, ask, <laughs> ask for the thing and it's going to be taken care of. But let's say they're thinking in their heads like, Oh, this is dumb. It's like totally not going to work. Like, Hey, I, I need, uh, I'm hungry and I need to get some food for lunch. And then like no food shows up and they're like, see, I knew I wasn't going to get food just because I wish for it. And so it makes me think back to the Bible. Actually, there is. I think it's like Jesus in a parable or something. And he talks about how with faith the size of a mustard seed, you could like move a mountain, you know, and that occurs to me. That just makes sense. Like if, if you believe, if you truly believe something through and through, you could do like whatever you wanted, but the, your doubt of that thing actually happening prevents whatever it is from happening. So, I guess to what extent do you need to have like complete faith in and connection with your higher self before your higher self will start actually being able to help you out? Okay, that's a really great question. Um, boy, a lot of things were going through my head as we were talking about that. So uh, faith and belief really, it, that's something that occurs all the way across the board. I mean, if, if you're ill, or you have some sort of a physical dysfunction and you don't believe you're going to get better, chances are you probably won't. Definitely. Um, and as far as, you know, your analogy with, hey, I'm really hungry and <laughs> the food's just going to show up, we are required to do what we need to do, to do as much as we can. If I sat there and I didn't ask my friend to take my daughter, nothing would have happened. So, you know, we still do need to take action, but I trusted that the answer was going to come. Because at the moment, I didn't quite know what to do. 
And I just said, I just need help with this. Can you please help me? I personally do have quite a bit of faith. Now, is it 100% faith every single day? No, I'm human. But that doesn't mean that my higher self still isn't going to show up and help me, right? And sometimes I have to ask for help for the help. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes for sure. I, I have to ask for help to trust and whatnot because I'm human. Now, a lot of times, going back to the inner child, we have turned away from that kind of faith and from that part of ourselves because we have believed whatever had happened to us in our childhood happened because, well, we're all alone and nothing was there. And, you know, um, so why should I have faith? Because if that thing, you know, if anything was there for me, then that wouldn't have happened. Right. Well, and to, to add to that, maybe you had a rough thing in childhood and you wished so bad it would stop and it didn't. You know, and it's like, yeah. well, what the heck? Back then I was like, please, 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 this thing needs to stop. And it didn't stop. So then it's hard to cultivate that faith again because, you know, your childhood had this example of why you should not have faith. That's absolutely right. And that is what happened to me. Um, I did have experiences in my childhood that made me turn away completely for a very, very long time. But, you know, when I was turned away, I was very afraid. I felt very alone. Um Things weren't really working so well in my life, and I was certainly not happy. I was quite depressed and anxious. And uh, so, you know, I, as an adult, and as I did a lot of this work that I now teach, I realized that, you know, sometimes there are things that occur that we don't necessarily understand or can really know or appreciate when we're children. I work with people every day, I work with people with trauma. I work on very vulnerable levels with them. Had I not had the experience that I did in childhood, for sure I wouldn't be able to help them the way that I can today. And so certain things did need to occur for me in order for me to work with, you know, people for the greater good. Um, so that's where I got to just have faith and say, well, I don't, you know, show me what this is then, if that's the case, because I really, I mean, I was very angry and I just shut that down for a really long time. And I noticed today now that I do have faith and I really do trust and I connect with the higher self and my inner child every day. I have levels of joy that I've never experienced in my life before. And that's the difference between the two. That's why I continue to do it. That's so great. I could only imagine, you know, like, I think about, you know, you gave the example of of meditating, which is something that I've done quite a bit. And, and sometimes when I'm meditating often, I can feel a better connection with my higher self. However, I've never done any work with my inner child or anything like that. So, you know, you, I, it's like I hit roadblocks anyways. And I it just makes sense that if you shore up this relationship with the higher self, the child piece, your adult piece, and make them all sort of come together in harmony, um, just, I guess, almost how kind of like effortless life would feel after that, like how how good you would be handling life. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And I do definitely have that in alignment. But again, I'm human. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't ever get upset at my kids or, you know, but the difference today is that I can catch it quicker. I can say, okay, I, you know, and start to speak to my inner child, let her know, mm, all right, so what, what's going on with you? What are you feeling? I'm here. I can work with her. And then as I help her to move through those feelings, then I can go back to my children or, you know, whoever I may have um, projected something out on. I can say, well, I really didn't handle that correctly. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And, you know, I'm going to continue to look at this. It's, uh, 
it's not a panacea. This isn't something that, you know, it's one and done. It's a continuous thing. But the consciousness around it, the awareness around it can really help us to show up in our lives in a way that we can feel really good about. And, you know, the truth is, is that I'm not a perfect person. And I like that my kids know that because when they can see that I make mistakes and then I go to them, I say, wow, I didn't handle that right. I'm sorry. I will, you know, uh, and I honor their feelings around it. I'm teaching them how to really be in relationship with other human beings, how to negotiate their feelings around that. And I think that's beautiful. Are there sort of, um, if you're looking at the problem that you have or uh, the pattern that is repeating, the negative pattern that's repeating in your life, if you're looking at that with the client, can you kind of make a guess right away as to which part is, is damaged, so to speak, like the relationship with the higher self, the inner child, the adult? Um, if, if someone gives you like a symptom, are you like, all right, most likely it's probably this part of you that you need to work on? Uh, if you're talk- are you talking about a physical symptom? Uh, no, well, so yeah, both it, physical or, or mental. Let, let's, let's talk about mental first, I guess. So if somebody says like, I noticed that I just, I keep on like not putting in enough effort at work. I've gotten like fired from my last few jobs and it's like, I know I should put in more work, but I just keep on, I don't know. Like, I just want to get off work and go have fun. And it's like, can you immediately like hearing a story like that think like oh that's probably a problem with the child or oh that's the fact that they're not linked up with this enough yes absolutely in that scenario i would probably say that that person is sabotaging because the inner child does not feel worthy and what happens is we we will hold certain beliefs about ourselves okay so let's take this for example where they know they should probably put in more work they keep getting fired If that inner child does not have the worthiness and they feel like, oh, what's the point? I'm not worthy anyways. This isn't a conscious stuff. This is subconscious. This is unconscious. They will behave in a way that will then create a response from the outside world. And then they can go back and say, see, I'm not worthy. See, they fired me. See, I'm no good. So an interesting to note, I would imagine that just because, especially like you said, subconscious and unconsciously, you're feeling this and it's one part of you that's feeling this, this inner child piece, just because you feel this way, the talk of like unworthiness and stuff doesn't mean that that's how you're, you are outwardly feeling or how you're appearing to the outside world. Like you might still quote unquote, like think that you're the shit and, you know, like (laughs) feel really good. And you'd be like, no, like I'm awesome. And I know I kick ass at work. I don't know why it's like ending up like this for me. It's like, there is, a disconnect sometimes probably between the outward appearance and what's happening subconsciously or a disconnect between the way that the adult you is showing things to the world versus the way that this inner child piece is feeling. Absolutely. And again, you know, I really appreciate your insight with that because that is one of the reasons why people have such a hard time making that leap because they do what, what they're projecting out in the world may not be particularly authentic and they could be covering up the vulnerability that's within. They don't want to feel the vulnerability. They don't want to feel the fear, the you know pain, right? That they may be feeling. They may be overcompensating for something. And then they've told themselves long enough, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And it's a way not to really feel what's sitting underneath the rug. But that's why it's so beautiful when the body will go to dysfunction because, and I'm not saying that every single dysfunction is connected to an emotional or a mental origin. 
Okay. Cause I'm sure there are cases out there where that's not the case, but more often than not that happens. So this is where the wisdom of the body loves us. And it says, okay, well, you're not quite getting it this way. <laughs> so, you know, here, have a stomach ache or have some constipation or have a skin rash. And, you know, maybe you can take a look at it from this, this point of view. It's one of the reasons why though I did I work in the way that I do, and I created the metaphysical cleanse. It's a way for people to start to to do some of that inner work, to understand themselves on deeper levels and ask those questions about themselves. So they're not just staying on the surface level of their life. And you know, you'll you'll know when you're on the surface level of your life because a lot of times there's not a lot of highs and lows if you're not really allowing a lot of emotion and you're kind of disconnected and kind of shut down in that part of your life, your life is just going to be kind of, you know, one level. And yeah, you're not really getting a lot of the the lows, but you're not getting those wonderful highs either. I think pretty much everyone probably knows exactly what you're talking about right now. <laughs> that is great. So yeah, let's jump into this physical piece a bit of the metaphysical part. So um, because of the fact that you, uh, do, uh, colonics and the lymphatic drainage and all these other things, I imagine a lot of people, um, to begin with sort of come to you presenting with some sort of physical thing. Um, how do we know if a problem is purely physical or if there could be some sort of metaphysical origin to it? Well, um, listen, from, from my experience, I will tell you that I, Whenever somebody comes in with a physical issue, we always connect it to something emotional and mental and spiritual every single time. Uh, so I just think that's there. <laughs> yeah, I guess why not? It's like you got to be gas on the fire, even if it's not the cause of the fire to begin with. It's not helping things. So, well, you know, so let's talk about gas because a lot of people do come in um, with gas and bloating. That's probably one of the biggest and something that I see probably more often than anything is gas and bloating. Um, A lot of times, of course, you know, we take a look at diet. What are they eating? Um, But gas and bloating is an interesting thing because a lot of times it has to do with us not feeling safe somewhere. And when we have gas and when we have bloating, usually our body is distended. So there's a pushing out our physical pushing out and a pushing away. And there's a space that's being created between us and the outer outer world. And it's a way for the person to, again, unconscious and subconsciously feel safe within themselves. But the problem is, is that whenever we create a wall like that to protect ourselves from the outside world, we have in effect created a prison. And we are inside that prison suffering because when we have bloat and gas, it doesn't feel good. We're not comfortable. And sometimes the gas is painful and it can block the bowels from moving. So now we have constipation on top of it. So it's a way for us to really be able to take that understanding and then connect it with where am I not feeling safe and why am I not feeling safe and what can I do with that? Wow, this is so interesting. So you're saying that Not only will the body um, manifest uh, like mental and spiritual pain or problems physically, but that it will represent things physically in a way that ties to whatever the mental problem is. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that's the loving part of our body that wants us to wake up 
to really the truth of who we are, you know, because most of us forgotten who that is. And really, we are love. We are here to love ourselves. We are here to love each other. And a lot of times our beliefs around who we are, who we believe ourselves to be as a result of, you know, what we grew up with and what we perceived. And that could be decades of having that belief system. Um, And then a lot of times when we believe certain things about ourselves, we will attract other people who will continue to affirm that belief for us. And it just becomes this vicious cycle. So it's the body's loving way of kind of saying, okay, I'm going to step in now and help you to look at that piece. Hmm. All right. So I'm going to ask another very difficult question, kind of like the the faith one. Like the, these are questions that are just like, I don't know to what extent there's ever an answer to these. Like, you know, like how, how do you have more faith? Like, how do you believe more? It's like, well, if, if only anyone knew how to do that, <laughs> like we would all just have tons of faith and it would be great. But uh, like, how do we tap into our subconscious more? I mean, it's our sub conscious. So how are we supposed to be noticing these things and trying to um, change them in some way if it's below the conscious to begin with? By healing the inner child, because it's the little one that is the one that's feeling it. And most often those feelings have been suppressed either because we didn't feel safe growing up to express it. We were told not to express it. It was modeled to us not to. Um, or we just didn't feel safe to, right? It's that little one that is really running the subconscious. And that's the little one that doesn't trust and mm. won't won't connect to that part because that little one has the belief that I am not safe and I am not okay and I am not good enough. Man, that just makes a lot, a lot of sense. Will you see people that completely have physical problems go away solely because of changing things mentally or having like a deeper connection with their inner child or higher self? Yes, I see it all the time. Absolutely. And then do talk about the give and take, I guess, between uh, diet and the mental side of things. Um, oh, that's great. Obviously, like if you are also eating a bunch of foods that produce gas, that's not going to help out with the whole <laughs> gas and bloating thing. But I guess I mean more from the perspective of if you are eating really good food and you have a really good sleep schedule and stuff like that, it is going to, I would imagine, make it that much easier to do work with your higher self and stuff like that because you're just going to feel more calm and you're going to feel more energized and good because of um, your food and the way that you're treating your body. So I guess talk about like that uh, push and pull between the two and the way that one influences the other. Okay, so this is kind of a two-part. Um, first of all, I love that you touched on the food. One of the reasons that people choose foods that are may not, you know, be the healthiest for us. And I think we all kind of know what that is, uh, is because most often than not, we're trying to numb those feelings. Again, this is not a conscious thing. When we don't feel like we are enough or good enough or worthy, um, and maybe don't have a lot of self-love, kind of be like, ah, screw it. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And we know that we don't really feel really good eating that way, but you know, a lot of people just kind of throw their arms up in the air and it's just like, well, but this is what I want. And that's again, when we can notice that the inner child is at play because kids just want what they want and they just eat it. (laughs) You know, I mean, most kids just want to eat like pizza and grilled cheese sandwiches. And, you know, so I will work with people on that level and I'll say, okay, so if you 
if they either have children or I say, if you had a child in front of you and they just wanted to do that all day long, would you let them? And they'd be like, no. And I said, why not? And they said, because it's not good for them. I said, exactly. So this is where that part of us can, you know, the, the adult in us can help to reparent the little one and say, I know you really want that. And, you know, what we're going to do is just sit together here and feel. And I tell people before you go and eat something that, you know, really will cause a lot of discomfort in your body, give yourself about five or 10 minutes, just pause and check in with what you're feeling and allow yourself to feel those feelings that maybe you're wanting to cover up with the food and numb with the food. Um, and, and this relates, of course, to alcohol and drugs or cigarettes or, you know, shopping or any other way that that we people um, like to distract ourselves. And then and then after five or 10 minutes have passed and we've allowed ourselves to feel our feelings, then ask, what is it that you really want? Because sometimes what we want is a hug. Sometimes we want a bath. We want to go for a walk. We want to connect with a friend. It you know, sometimes it doesn't have to do with food. It's just, that's a habit. That's something that we're used to choosing. That's something that will numb it pretty quickly. But I think most people will realize that sure, even if you eat that thing and it does numb those feelings for a while, eventually they're going to come back. Uh, the other part of this is that some people do eat super healthy all the time and they do have that good sleep schedule and exercise and they're still having gas and bloating. So what is that? That's our body, our loving body saying, there's still an issue here. There's something here for you to take a look at. There are a lot of people that come to me to do the metaphysical work that have done a lot of internal healing on themselves with healers or therapists and whatnot. And so when I say, okay, it may be, you know, blah, 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 they're like, nah, I already looked at that. And although I really honor and respect that, of course, the work that they've done, you know, I'm sure they stepped into and I'm sure it was not an easy thing for them to do. So I can get there may be a part of them that's like, no, 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 I've already done that. Um, there are layers within us. When people come in for colon hydrotherapy, um, you know, which is a way to really cleanse out the large intestine. You would think, or some people might think, when you put the water into the colon and it's filling the colon for a few minutes and then the body opens up and releases waste, you would think that all of it would just come out and you're done. But it doesn't work that way. It's very interesting. The body will release and then nothing, you'll see clear water and then we'll kind of work or talk about different things and then more will release. And it's also a way that I work with clients as I'm God, talking to them. God, that's fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. And so as I talk to people specifically about different emotional or belief systems, their body responds with the subconscious and unconscious response. That's what's fascinating. So like the layers of the colon, how it releases waste, there are layers emotionally that are in us. So yes, you have absolutely looked at that. You've dealt with that and good for you. If the body's reflecting that there's more layers, that's what it means. There's more layers that we need to look at. Mm -hmm. Interesting. This makes me think about, I guess, the, the difficulty level for people to do this sort of work depending on either uh, their personality type and sort of like how analytical they are or uh, almost maybe even like intelligence level or um, just how wrapped up in their ego they are. So I think as adults, it, you know, 
we we are in our heads like all the time you know yes and right. if you're in your head a ton and again especially if you're like uber intelligent or if you're like incredibly analytical or something like that how do we get out of our own way to even be able to open up to this sort of healing it's like if i'm just thinking about like somebody trying to uh, like a really great hypnotist trying to hypnotize someone who the entire time is just thinking you're trying to hypnotize me you're trying to hypnotize me and it's like it's not working because they're in their head so much you know how do we help ourselves if we are just so wrapped up in our heads the number one thing that would be helpful with this scenario would be willingness you know to be willing to allow ourselves to come out of our heads with deep breathing and connecting with our body um, that's why meditation is so helpful because it gets us out of our heads, mm. but we could also do so by, let's say if you come home from work before you go into the house, especially if you're going into a family, you know, either give yourself uh, a minute or five minutes to sit in the car and take some deep breaths and get yourself grounded or go for a walk. Anything you can do to kind of change up what's going on with yourself to get out of that thinking mind. The other thing is um, like a breathing meditation so that you're concentrating on your breath and that will also help get you out of your head. So you can like count the numbers or you can just, and if you notice your mind starts to go back to thinking about whatever, you can just say breath, but it's a way to start cultivate, cultivating present mindfulness. And that starts with a willingness to do so. God, Stephanie, this is so funny and great. It, it's like, it, this is basically like the yin to the yang, you know, like if, if the work that you're doing is doing the mental uh, like like working on mental things to then lead to physical benefit, then now what you're talking about is like, okay, well, what if you can't get in that mental headspace? Well, then do something physically to try to get yourself in the mental headspace. It's like the physical can help the mental, the mental can help the physical. It's It's awesome. Yes, exactly. And that's the beauty of the interconnectedness of our body. And that's also the beauty of the interconnectedness with each one of us. We are all connected to each other. And that's what's so, you know, because I remember thinking years ago, well, okay, if this inter internal work is mine alone to do alone, then why am I on the planet with 50 billion people? Well, because, you know, that's why we have friendships. That's why we're in relationships, because we can support each other with that. We can give each other that nurturing and that love and that validation and that help. We're interconnected with each other. So that's another reason why I encourage people to do this internal work to heal, because what we do within ourselves can help every single person on this planet. Definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. I would love to sort of start winding this thing down and hear about the personal work that you do um, as just sort of like upkeep and maintenance to keep yourself like balanced and connected. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I do a lot, actually. Uh, I am a very spiritually based person. So I work with healers and shamans and I do a lot of kind of very unconventional type of uh, energy type of healing work. Um, but I, I educate myself a lot. I love reading, um, for instance, Barbara Brennan. She teaches a lot about energy work. And um, and I do connect every single day with my higher self. I connect with my inner child. I spend time really um, 
getting that comfort, I would say, and having conversations with both my higher self and my inner child. Um, I do eat well. Uh, do I eat well 100% of the time? No. But, you know, for the most part, I do. Um, and I do notice when my body needs to start moving and getting some exercise. I am fortunate that my job is very, very physical because I do massage in all of my sessions. So, you know, I'm massaging five or six hours a day. So that feels really good. Um, but I, I believe in connecting with friends, you know, and uh, spending time with my kids and doing the things that bring me joy. I, I do my best to do something that brings me joy every single day, whether that's, you know, watching Outlander or reading a great book or, you know, taking a yoga class. I think it's really important to do something that makes me happy. Totally. God, I love that. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and uh, finish this thing up, Stephanie. If you could please explain the uh, if, if people are, are interested in trying to make these different inner parts of themselves connect and come out and heal something uh, within themselves, whether that be physical or mental. You have both a book and a program. If you could tell people um, kind of the differences between the two and then how they could access those things. Okay, great. So um, last week I had my first webinar uh, and I was introducing the uh, EOS's online course. It is a step-by-step course that really teaches people how to self-heal. Um, this is five hours of video and audio and uh, slide presentations with 18 chapters, as well as 17 PDF worksheets that um, people can download, as well as a copy of my book. So that all, I'll get you the, the link for your people so that they can see um, and that lives on what's called expertise TV, uh, similarly to how, you know, YouTube videos live on the YouTube land. Um, and, and then on my website, iasukalonics.com, if people want just to read my book, they can download that as well. That's in a PDF form right now. I have two books. One is called Embracing Love by Letting Go, A Metaphysical Cleanse. The other is called Embracing Life by Letting Go. And that's actually for therapists, for other colon hydrotherapists. I did write that book to teach them about my style of healing. And it's uh, also sensitivity training for therapists as they work with their clients. Um, I, I do have sessions available for people to work with me if they're in the Los Angeles area. Uh, my office is in West Los Angeles, but I also do book metaphysical phone sessions so that people that maybe don't live in the area, but they want to do the work with me can still access me. Mm, that is awesome. Um, so I will put links to all of that in the show notes on Half Hour Intern. If any of you guys are driving or exercising or whatever, you can't write that down right now. There'll be links in the show notes. Um, Man, Stephanie, this has been so interesting and so awesome. And I think that this is going to most likely end up being like the first part in uh, like two or three parts of an interview. Uh, like you just mentioned that you do the colonic piece as well. That's obviously fascinating. So we'll probably have to do a second part on that. And, uh, and then some of the other wonderful work that you do. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me and really just for all the insightful questions. I'm very grateful for what you're doing to help people, um, you know, become more aware and find peace in their lives. Thank you, Blake. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with Stephanie. Just wanted to mention that there are links up to her book and to her 
uh, workshop that she's done and stuff like that on the website. So if you want to check that out, just go to halfhourintern.com. Right now, uh, there will be a link to her episode from the homepage, or you can just search for her episode. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm doing the workshop right now, and it is absolutely fantastic. So if you are down for some of the stuff that we talked about today, and it sounds like something that you could use to help you in your life, I could not recommend anything more than Stephanie and what she has done with her book, with her program, any of that stuff. So highly recommend it. And uh, that is about it. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.